Paul and I'm George. Welcome to Crass. <laughs> Did I say welcome? Yeah. Hello and welcome that. to Crass. Hello and welcome to Crass. Do you want me to do it again? Well, no. We'll leave it. Now. I'll do it again. I'll All do it again. It's fine. Bit Hello, more... I'm welcome to Crass. I'm Paul and I'm George. Great. Right. I'm gonna. I mean, obviously, I've I've got my question, but I was also I'm gonna intro uh, with an email. Yes. Uh, this time, George. Uh, to crosspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, that's the email, uh, listeners. Uh, all right, boys. Firstly, I think you're both fantastic, and I genuinely believe that your podcast deserves more attention. Podcast? Look, I've got a cold. Right, okay, just, you know. Go on. I genuinely believe that your podcast Did it again, deserves you? more attention. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Four o'clock on Friday is the new highlight of my week. Now, on to my second point. He's kind of, he's nice to us, isn't he, there? Yeah. Now, on to my second point. The reason I'm writing this email. I was wondering if I could be on your podcast. I'm not up to much at the moment, and it would seriously make my day if I could appear on your podcast, even if it was only for a minute. I'm quite depressed at the moment, so bear that in mind. Keep on keeping on from Anonymous. Now... Sorry, but you haven't included any of your details, and I think it's very presumptuous, or presumptuous, to say, oh, can I be on your podcast? Yeah. You might not even be funny at all. Well, he'd fit right in, wouldn't he? Um... <laughs> but no, but you must agree with me, George. This guy's being a right shit asking us, asking us to be Can't on the podcast. Can't just have any Tom, Dick and Harry just come on the podcast. No, I'm actually really quite livid about that. Yeah. I don't, I'm sorry, but I don't want you as a listener. Anonymous. No, 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 no. I wouldn't go that far. Go piss off. I, I don't want him as a contributor, but as a listener, that's fine. That's the right relationship distance between this process of recording, what we're, what we're actually doing now, not now, four o'clock on Friday, but now as we're recording. Uh, there's distance between that and four o'clock on Friday. That's how it should be, the relationship. Don't say, oh, don't listen ever again. Because then no one will listen. No, just this guy. Just this jet. <laughs> just, just you, Anonymous. I... Fuck off. <laughs> Do you know, George, I've actually just noticed something really interesting. Yes. Uh, talking about recording, this is the eighth podcast. Mm -hmm. And we're actually recording this on the eighth at eight o'clock. No curtain. Almost. There is no curtain anymore. It's, quite, it's almost eight o'clock. It's actually quarter past eight. But that's pretty spooky, isn't it, George? No. It's coincidence. Right, well. Shall I ask me a question? <laughs> yes, go on. Question time. George, mm. as always, start with the question. What was your sex education like? Poor. <laughs> Just That's a good answer. Poor British national curriculum sex education. That's what it was like. It was rubbish. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> rubbish. I don't remember much from my sex education, apart from uh, this video that we watched, uh, and part of it described it described the the sex process. <laughs> and there was one bit where they mentioned foreplay, and to sort of visualise foreplay, they had a cartoon of a woman chasing a bloke with a feather. Mm. So like trying to tickle him. Have you ever done that with your girlfriend? No. 
Maybe you should incorporate it. No. I'm thinking about incorporating it with Dampson. Well, you can't fuck that relationship up, can you, really, any more than it has been? You've had a, a no, shootout in a quite... KFC. You were humping a box of chocolate shreddies in Waitrose. You yeah. got a brasser several times. You had a yeah. home invader. What yeah. else could go wrong? Tickle her with a feather, run around the room like a giant sort of Ken Dodd impressionist, if you must. I might give it a go. No, look, by the way, no, no Lonely Hearts Club this week. Uh, nothing's happened. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Great. So it's that time again. Time for you to tell me what you've been watching this week, Paul. Brilliant. Uh, this week, George, I've been watching the hit sitcom Only Fools and Horses in a fashion. Let me explain. Um, <laughs> did you like what I do with my voice then, George? Yes. <laughs> I kind of I made it sound sort of um, a bit smarmy and a bit like conversationally smarmy. It was good, wasn't it? Yeah, I didn't notice um, a huge difference. But well, yeah. I'll, do it. I'll, I'll do it again then. No, 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 no. I... This week, George, I've been watching Only Fools and Horses <laughs> in a fashion. Let me explain. Um, she's like that. Well, I said, don't do it again, and you've just done it again. Well, get, get right, yeah, well. to, in a fashion. Let me explain. Go on. I've not been watching the television programme Only Fools and Horses. I've been watching adverts starring the cast of Only Fools and Horses. So it's not the same, is it, really? <laughs> no, but it kind of is. Because one of the adverts I've been fascinated by is um, David Jason in the Abbey National advert. No transaction charges, and they pay me interest 12 times a year. So you can get her a new tennis bat for a start, all right? Abbey National, the most current account. Now, George, would you agree that David Jason is clearly playing Del Boy in the advert? To a, to a degree, to a fashion... He is totally Del Boy in it. Mm. He's obviously, the director has obviously encouraged him to play Del Boy. But it's, obviously it's lacking, presumably it's lacking John Sullivan's words. Completely? Yeah. Presumably. And I mean, I mean, I presume so, because the character, his circumstances don't match Del Boy's in any way. No, so that's why I would say he's not playing Del Boy. He's clearly rich. He's got a wife, and he's got a daughter called Edwina. Mm. So my question is this. Where does this advert fit into Del Boy continuity? <laughs> where does it fit into the Only Fools I... and Horses chronology? Yeah, exactly. I wondered if maybe, because uh, obviously it doesn't fit anywhere um, in, in our universe or the, the universe of Only Fools and Horses we're aware of. I wondered if perhaps it was a kind of parallel Del Boy who... <laughs> Parallel boy. <laughs> some point, got, some point, got married, had a daughter, got rich, and abandoned, presumably, Rodney and Grandad Stroke Uncle Albert, which is the true tragedy of these adverts. Yeah, I, it's I, a bit it, like do you know that episode in series one where his old old bird comes back and like Rodney's all like, oh, she might be a murderer. Yeah, it's good. It episode. reminds me a bit of that. Mm, I, you see. It doesn't necessarily have to be a parallel uh, Del Boy. Have you thought about the possibility that, um, much like Don Draper in Mad Men, Del Boy has this other life that he's trying to conceal oh. somewhat? 
That's why she's at a boarding school, after all. Distance is far away. She's out of the picture. Distance herself from the... Oh, that's a good idea. He's using a check... He's always using this Abbey National checkbook, Mm. so he never has to pay with cash. Yeah. Although, I'm still of the opinion that it... It it isn't Del Boy. It's... Obviously, it's him playing a very similar thing. He's obviously been told by the director to play Del Boy, but it's not Del Boy. There's no Mm. connection to the show. As far as I can see. Well, I suppose we'll have to agree to disagree, George. It's just something that's been keeping me up at night. Um, but that's not the only advert, uh, series of adverts that I watched. Okay. Uh, I've also watched um, some WH Smith adverts um, starring Nicholas Lindhurst. Only at Smith's will you find the biggest range of Goosebumps products. This is meant to be scary, is it? Whatever they're into, get into W.H. Smith. Right, so the whole concept of these adverts starring Nicholas Lindhurst uh, was that he plays uh, this family. He plays every member of a family. Yes. Uh, A father who is vaguely Rodney-esque, the mother who is um, Nicholas Lindhurst in a wig, uh, the daughter who is is basically the same performance as the mother, uh, and the the young son who is like Rodney after like a head injury. (laughs) Now, my problem with these adverts, I'm not. They obviously, obviously, these don't fit into any kind of only falls and horses no, continuity. No, and you could that would be horrifying. Try and fit it in anywhere. That would that would be inc- that would be horrifying. Yeah. My point is, who just who thought it'd be a good idea to get Rodney in to play a whole family? He's not a famous character actor. He's kind of he's kind of got two modes: fake Cockney and. Nicholas Lindhurst. He plays those two characters. He's not. He's not Eddie Murphy or anything. He can't. He can't oh no, get... he's not as good as Eddie Murphy, is he? <laughs> he's. No, you know he, what I mean. Right, he's you know what I mean, he's a real Cockney, isn't he? He's actually from London. He's not. He's got proper posh voice in interviews. Well, I mean, people won't believe it from this podcast, but you know, I was the posh-sounding one in school <laughs> growing up. So. I mean, I, true, so was I when I was at school. But, but, you know, he's a proper... I think he is a proper Cockney. So don't well, don't I label mean, him a Mockney. This isn't Danny Dyer we're dealing with here. I mean, once I see his birth certificate, I will... You know, that will prove <laughs> everything. <laughs> but, oh, do you know, do you get what I mean? He's, it's not a fantastic sort of performance as his whole family. I, I like them. He, he characterises each character... Quite oh, nice. He doesn't. He does. You've got the pushy mum, the slightly. She's not pushy. She does nothing. In... She's, she. He just goes. Oh, I'm. I'm playing. I'm oh, not a woman. That's what he does. And for the daughter, he goes. Oh, I'm a little woman. And that is it. <laughs> That's not it. There is a whole craft in those Nicholas Lindhurst performances that, f- that you're just neglecting. And I have. I have a theory behind this, which I'll come to later. But uh, anything else to add to this? Well, all I'll say is. If you want to find these adverts, just Google Only Fools and Horses adverts. But they're not Only Fools and Horses adverts. No, okay, fair enough. But they do come up. Speaking of Nicholas Lindhurst, he was, of course, most famous for playing Rodney Trotter on Only Fools and Horses. Mm, Which he's very good at. He's he's very good at playing Rodney. I will not deny that. Don't be patronising about him. You know, you've just... just... Okay. Carry on, carry on, carry on. He also found later success in another sitcom, didn't he? A very different sort. After You've Gone. Not the one I was going to refer to, oh. After You've Gone, but yeah, he was oh, right. in that. 
uh, but slightly before uh, after you've gone, and and don't mention the Piglet files because it isn't that. Uh, this okay. is, of course, Goodnight Sweetheart, the yes. wartime-based and 90s-based sitcom. Yeah. As you know, Paul, I have Sky. and I do. Sky has a digital episode guide that gives you descriptions of each programme that's on. This is a genuine Sky description of the season three episode One O'Clock Jump, which is the third episode of that series. Okay. Plonker becomes womanizer in the Nicholas Lindhurst time travel sitcom. <laughs> that is good. Plonker becomes womanizer in the Nicholas Lindhurst time travel sitcom. Gary is worried about Yvonne's depression at being out of work and is confused by Reg. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh Series 3, Episode 3. But that brings me on to something that, well, based on the past sort of five minutes, I'm sure the listeners are keen to to understand as well. But, mm -hmm. Paul, what is your problem with Nicholas Lindhurst? You've got a, I don't know what you... You've got a problem with him. I think he's fantastic. I really like him. Genuinely. Genuinely really like yeah. him. Not mad on Goodnight Sweetheart. Less keen on... Actually, After You've Gone was probably bit better than Goodnight Sweetheart, but let's not split hairs. He's a nice man. He's a great comic actor. You don't know he's a nice man. You don't know he's not a nice man. Go on, what, well, what is it about Nicholas Lindhurst that you don't like? Okay, well, first of all, before I, before I uh, reveal some information to you, I'm going to say that in terms of Goodnight Sweetheart, how anyone can like him in that television show, he is, he is sitcoms Greatest monster in in Good Nights. He is an awful, no, awful not. man. Yeah, he's not a he nice is, he's man. He's terrible. He discovers time travel and he uses it to cheat on his wife. Yeah, that is pretty low. Think of all the things yes. he could have done. And what does he do? He cheats on his wife. Yes, but that is not you describing the worst sort of sitcom character ever. I don't think. Name a worse one. Well, I can't remember their names exactly, but the characters from On the Buses, every one of them. Oh, come on. They, what was wrong with them? They were cheeky little fellas who ran a bus bus service. Okay, sure, they were, a, they were a bit sexist. Sure, they were pretty lecherous. Sure, they were usually racist. I mean, fine, no one's denying that. But Gary Sparrow, he discovered time travel. Yes. And he didn't even go back and kill Hitler. Yeah, but you... He stole other people. Oh, yeah, we're he killing... Stole other, let me finish, let me finish. He stole other people's inventions and passed them off as his own. Yes. He, I, I genuinely think that that is worse than being a racist, sexist person. Then your priorities are wrong. Well... Also, it's fictional theft. It's not fictional <sighs> racism. Okay. You can tell I mean, that's that a those, fair point. You can tell that those uh, 70s sitcoms that I mentioned, you can tell that they were probably written by sexists racists, misogynists, yeah. etc. No, I'm not saying they were, definitely, but th at least the audience responded to them that way. The Beatles didn't sue Nicholas Lindhurst because Gary Sparrow pretended to write yesterday. Do you see what I'm saying? Right, do you want to know why I don't like Nicholas Lindhurst? Come do you on. want to really know why? Yes, because I don't understand. Well, then we're going to have to read a chapter from my autobiography. Paul Austin, Life Lessons from an Expert. Chapter 67, Meeting Lindhurst. 
It is well known amongst my social circle that I cannot stand the semi-famous actor Nicholas Lindhurst. I've never given a reason for the animosity because I was saving it for this book. Since this is my book, Kill Reading, stroke listening to in an audiobook format, I might as well tell the story now. So here we go. I'm telling it. It was a cold winter night in 2007 when I first met Lindhurst. But to tell that tale, some backstory must be given. So I give it. Now. In the late 80s, my mum was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. Decades later, she would frequently gather myself and my siblings around the gas fire to tell the story of the time she saved Phil Oakey from choking on a particularly large lamb shank. And in return, him and his band, The Human League, wrote a song about her. She was a truly fantastic waitress. The fact that she gave this job up when I was born to become a door-to-door saleswoman is a real loss to the industry. Seriously, I can't emphasise enough how good she was at being a waitress. Flash forward to February 2007. Timber Diaz had split, Britney Spears was proper mental, and my mum was invited to a garden party hosted by Phil Oakey of the Human League. Originally, she wasn't going to attend because she had three children, one of whom was myself. Then Phil called her directly. He said that it was vitally important that she come to the party because he would be very, very sad if she didn't. My mum sympathised, but all three of her children still breastfed, and it was impossible for her to leave them for any amount of time at all. In the end, Phil managed to convince her they would probably be fine. However, she did bring one, myself. This was because I was her favourite, and also because I screamed and yelled until blood vessels in my eyes burst and I vomited into a radiator. As soon as we pulled up to Phil Oakey's semi-detached, I knew this was the life for me. Gravel drives, a wooden front door, windows, not to mention the incredible celebrity party raging inside. Still in my mother's arms, I looked around the room in complete awe. There was Leo Sayer, shouting about the fact he'd read the final Harry Potter book, which he claimed was called Harry Potter and His Massive Leg. In a corner by the buffet was Dave Benson Phillips, having an animated conversation with... <laughs> having an animated conversation with Nick Park, who did Wallace and Gromit. Next to them, Anthony Kotanoff Corey was stuffing his face with cocktail sausages, while a nearby Jim Davidson shook his head, pure hatred in his eyes. A small stage had been set up for karaoke, and Nick Ross was singing a drunken version of Snooker Loopy by Chaz and Dave, <laughs> while Andrew Marr clapped happily <laughs> along. <laughs> This was the life, I distinctly remember thinking. I was rubbing elbows with the greats, and hot damn, these elbows suited me. Then I saw him, looking cool as a cucumber. There, <laughs> there, smoking a pipe, was Nicholas Lindhurst. My heart skip, skip, skipped a beat. At the time, I was a huge fan of Lindhurst's sitcom After You've Gone, the first season of which had finished airing only the previous week. I'd also seen every episode of Only Fools and Horses, which I thought were reek good. I decided I would go over to Lindhurst and profess my enthusiasm for his new sitcom venture. So I climbed out of my mum's arms and made my way over to the pretend Cockney. From the moment he saw me, I knew Lindhurst was really pissed off. There could be any number of reasons he took an instant dislike to my physical appearance. It could have been my extremely pudgy face and relatively tiny eyeballs. Perhaps he hated the fact that I wore tracksuit bottoms with a kilt. Maybe he just hates whites. All I know is that for some reason, Lindhurst instantly despised me. Therefore, I was provoked. All right, Rodney, I said in an affectionate tone. 
Lindhurst's upper lip curled unpleasantly, and he made one sharp nod to the ceiling. I said, all right, Rodney, I repeated, desperately trying to make a connection between myself and the actor. I, I heard you. It's Nicholas, he said in a horrible guttural tone. Where's Delboy? Have you brought the three-wheeled van? I said, wittily. I assumed that he would love these brilliant references to the show he had appeared in for 20 years or whatever it was. Apparently, he doesn't appreciate them. Listen, I'm not in the mood for this. Please go and bother someone else. With that, he turned to go. Then, several things happened at once. Across the room, by the buffet, Jim Davidson lunged at Anthony Cotton, who had been eyeing a banana. (laughs) The beetroot-faced homophobe missed, however, and collided with Nick Park. Now, Nick might seem pretty passive, but he's got one hell of a temper when he's riled. Nick Park reached into his pockets, pulled out handfuls of plasticine, and proceeded to throw them at Jim Davidson's sweaty head. (laughs) Unfortunately, one of the clay missiles missed their target and hit Anthony Cotton square in the face, breaking his nose. In a desperate attempt to create some drama, someone in the crowd, I think it was Piers Morgan, shouted, Nick Park is a homophobe! Let's kill him! Stop! A deep, booming voice echoed across the room. Everybody turned to the karaoke stage. It was Trevor MacDonald. (laughs) If we fight like animals... He spoke softly now, but somehow everyone in the room could hear him. If we fight like animals, we die like animals. The whole room applauded, except for Piers Morgan, who moodily shoved one hand down his arse and picked at it. Once the applause stopped, I turned around to find Nicholas Lindhurst bent forward, his head and knees pressed against the floor. A stray plasticine projectile had hit him. I noticed his trousers had fallen down a bit, and what I saw gave me chills. Lindhurst had a tiny vestigial tail, forked and red. My mind raced. Thoughts of all the times the character of Rodney, as played by Lindhurst, had feared Delboy's son Damien was the Antichrist, and there was the man himself, obviously some kind of demon or devil. And that, dear reader, is the genuine truth behind Nicholas Lindhurst, or should I say, Beelzebub. See why I don't like him now, George? That has got to surely be the most libelous anecdote anybody has ever fabricated for the purposes of an audiobook slash biography slash Okay, maybe the details aren't completely true. So maybe he didn't have a tail and isn't the second coming of Satan and all the rest maybe of Maybe not. Maybe, okay, right, maybe the story ended I think just after happens. he turned away. Maybe. I'm not, I can't say, obviously, but perhaps... That story ended after Nicholas Lindhurst said, I'm not in the mood for this. Maybe the story ended there. And maybe that's the reason I hate him. Because he said, no, I don't want to talk to you, you, you child. I don't want to talk to a child but who it's loves not... me. I don't want to talk to a fan. But it's I not don't... that. It's that you went up to him and went, all right, Rodney, you brought the three-wheel van. Where's Del Boy? It's Uncle Albert falling down a hole again, you know. I didn't say that. I mentioned Del Boy and the three-wheel van. I didn't mention... I may have mentioned Grandad. But that's... I didn't mention Uncle Albert. No. Well, I don't think Nicholas Lindhurst, who, you know, just for the record, is a nice man and a great actor. Very humble man. I don't think he appreciates people going up to him going, Hey, Rodney! Like that. So, I, I'm sorry, your, your chapter has not swayed my view, and I do still think you rather irrationally um, attack one of well a national treasure and an institution basically 
Do you want me to publicly apologise to Nicholas Lindhurst? Is that what you're trying I to get me to do? I want a formal apology to Nicholas Lindhurst for, for all uh, previous attacks and a sort of get-out clause for any future ones that you may inadvertently launch in the heat of the moment. Well, I don't want a scandal, so I suppose I'd better do it. Mm. Nicholas Lindhurst, I, Paul Austin, uh, co-host of Crass, do uh, formally apologise for any distress... Uh, libel uh, I may have caused um, sorry soz um, I hope that's enough thank you and I would just like to add at this point um, George Walsh co-host, co-creator editor of, of, of oh. Crass uh, more jobs Slipped than in Paul the fact an editor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well. uh, I would just like to say that the views of Paul do not reflect upon the views of this podcast they do not reflect upon my views and nicholas i think you're a blinding actor uh stay true son you know it makes sense that's it <laughs> let's put this i think i would also like to apologize to you george because yes. i feel bad that i've put you through this mm. You're now a part of this now. If there is yeah. some kind of scandal, you are mixed up in it all. Yeah. But I will point this out. You brought it up. Well, well hang on. I I asked you what you'd watched on television this week, and we went into this direction. Oh, I did, yeah. Okay, no, I, so I brought it up as well. You brought yeah. it up. Well, you yeah, brought okay. it up. Yeah, sorry, George. So, as you know, Paul... I've been mm -hmm. on a bit of a health kick these past few months. Yes. I've been uh, trying to watch my weight, trying to exercise mm -hmm. a bit more, and trying to lose a bit of paunch. It's, it's working for you. You're looking good. You're looking good. It is. I weighed myself the other day, and I have oh, now... I don't... No, I wasn't going to specifics. I was just going to say, I have now lost 11% of what I weighed four months ago. Brilliant. Which is... You wouldn't even think there was that much to lose, but there well, was... Well. Well, okay. it's time for me to sort of hang up my gym shorts because, Ooh. to be honest with you, mate, I'm done with the fucking place, quite <laughs> frankly. Um, I don't know, when was the last time you were in a changing rooms? Um, well, it would be a few years ago now. Right. Possibly about four years ago. Okay. Do you remember what they were like when you were in school? Yes, I do. They're no Horrible. different when you're an adult. Oh the, ab the, the only difference is that they smell more. There's no difference at all. So even Hardly. when you're an adult, there's like people spraying deodorants into lighters and like setting you on fire and that. No, okay. They are different, but they're still just as horrible as they were. Uh, okay, yeah. They're just a sort of nasty... There's a nasty environment, I found. Um... At the at the yeah. gym, uh, I'm obviously I'm not a muscular man. I'm not, not. I'm not a fit man, to be perfectly honest. I'm a bit of a. Well, I'm know. I'm both weedy and podgy at the same time. <laughs> so in a changing rooms at a gym, which is full of people with muscles, you get those yeah. looks. You know. Oh, George. You get. You know, when you have to go and use the shower, which thankfully a cubicled yep. off because otherwise I'd just get the bus. Oh, good. I'd just get the bus sweaty. I would not bother with a communal shower. Thank God they're sort of boxed off. But 
the walk from the changing room to the shower and back again is not a fun one. Um, I use I use a towel. <laughs> a lot of the blokes flop their little cocks about. <laughs> the other thing is when you're getting changed, the showers are in pretty much the same room and you can hear people sort of gobbing in the showers and oh, you can I don't oh. do the noise but you can sort of hear them going <clears throat> like that you can hear them that, hooking yeah. the sort of spit and phlegm and <laughs> oh, I don't know if it's vile. I don't know if it's one bloke or if it's just that blokes do this but it's, <laughs> it's absolutely vile but it's <sighs> just they the men's changing rooms absolutely stink is it's yeah. awful the conversations you over here uh, disgusting oh, a nice, as well. That's a nice todger. Oh, jeez, mate. Yours isn't bad either. <laughs> See, they do talk about their cocks, but not like that. <laughs> <laughs> and when they do the wow. short stroll to the showers, you wonder what the hell they're talking about. Ooh. It's just absolutely unpleasant. It's sort of just this hotbed of sweat and misogyny and rampant homophobia. And um, to be honest... I think I'd rather be fat than fucking go there again. And you know, well, four I mean, months of going there, I'm I'm not doing it anymore. That's it. Brilliant. Well, you've certainly put me off ever exercising again. <laughs> so, cheers, thanks. That does a lot of good for me. We're approaching the end. I'll try and be brief. It's time for our semi-regular feature, eBay Adventures. We should have a jingle. eBay Adventures with George Walsh. Wait, what? eBay Adventures? I've never done that before, ever. Wait, what? eBay Adventures? I've never done that before, ever. So, yes, eBay Adventures. Last week I was telling you about getting a Brian Eno, David Byrne limited edition record that is yeah. hard to get. And I said I only had two things on the alert system that eBay have which mm-hmm. is the Brian Eno, David Byrne record and a stew for the cat, Stoofer. blue rubber yeah. hand puppet of Harry Hill. Well, you'll never guess what came oh. up. It was oh, Stoofer. Oh, is it? Yes. Is it, it was a Stoofer? It was a Stoofer. <laughs> oh, brilliant. But unfortunately, it was an auction again. Oh, not like Because last week's was an auction. It was, and I was, auctions. No, because I was stressed for the week thinking, oh my God, I'm not... I'm not going to get this. Someone else is going to sneak in at the last minute. Do you know what those people are called? I looked this up. Uh, oh, eBay. Oh, last week, I've looked this up. They're called... Thrifters. They're called snipers. Snipers. That's the official eBay terminology for people who sort of swoop that's, in that's at the last That's kind of taken, minute. though, isn't it? Snipers by yeah. um, snipers. Little, so you should get, they should get another name. It's a little bit uh, living daylights, actually, because that's all about sniping and snipers. But <sighs> enough of Bond for now. Uh, but these people are called couldn't, snipers. Couldn't have, one epi- couldn't have one episode without a James Bond mention. Of course not. Sake. Of course not. So hang on, have we talked about? Hang on, have we talked about Tony Savalas yet? No, no, we didn't mention the chocolate voice slaphead sex machine that is Tony Savalas. No. There we go. We've covered yeah. it now. Uh, yes. So these people are called snipers, and they just mm-hmm. get in at the like two seconds to go. They put their bid on and they win. And I was worried with Stufa that that was going to happen. I was worried the week well, before. Yeah. With Eno and Byrne that that was going to happen, but this week, especially because it's a stoofer. You've had a hell of a fortnight. I was 10 years old when I went to see Harry Hill, and I was told <sighs> you can have a program or a stoofer. You can't have both. I chose a program. Right. It's not a mistake because those programs are impossible to get as well. 
Oh, uh, well, there but we go. I wish I had both. And it's not a spoiled kid thing. It's because they've then gone on to be absolute rarities that you can't find. One came up. I found one on eBay. It's an auction. I keep my eye on it for a week. The difference here is that people are bidding. It's oh. a hot item. People are after Stufa. So, you know, it starts off at 99p. And again, I think I won't bid because that raises its profile. The more attention yep. it gets. So I keep quiet. Some idiots, though, haven't got their heads around that concept. And so it increases in price. It's £10.50 with two hours to go. I'm getting stressed because I'm looking at that and thinking, oh, my God, if it's £10.50 now, what will it be in half an hour's time? Could be uh, £15. Well, it was £11.50. But there were six bidders on this. Six other people want Stufa. What's their limit? That's what I'm thinking. Well, yeah, I'm thinking that as well. So the, the minutes ticked down. And... Uh, I was wondering, at what point do I put my bid in? How long do I leave it before I put my bid in? Because if I put it in four minutes before the end, that's four minutes for other people to outbid me. If I put it in at two seconds before, the computer might crash and that would be it. I, you know, I would exactly. miss out. Exactly. Lost it. So what, what point do you do it? I don't know, about ten minutes before. Well, that's, you're giving them ten minutes to... I've never, to be honest, George, it. I've never used eBay. Okay. I became a sniper <gasps> everyone was bidding up and it got more and more frantic as the minutes and seconds ticked down it was now up to about 25 quid <laughs> and i think what would i really really truly be willing to spend to get this stufa probably about i don't know 30 quid wrong oh <laughs> i swoop in at 10 seconds to go, I type in my maximum bid. £130. Uh, <laughs> at 8 seconds to go, I press enter. At 4 seconds to go, I press confirm bid. I sniped them and I won the auction. I have my very own Stufa. I didn't spend 130 quid on it. Thank I, God for that. I spent significantly less on it. I won't go into details. Okay. But that would be I was willing to spend 130 pounds on it. No one else was. They all crapped out and I took the goodies. I'm a sniper. And not only that, I'm fucking done with eBay as well as the gym because that was the only thing <laughs> that I was after. That and is that, it, is that your life goal achieved? That's now, it. Those two nothing items. else I want on eBay now. Wait, what? eBay furniture? I've never, I've never done that before, ever. Wait, what? eBay furniture? I've never done that before, ever. Is that the So hang on, that's also the end of George's eBay adventures or whatever it's well, called. Well, you never know. I might want something else at some point. Well, well brilliant. Right, well, uh, I don't know. Have you got anything else or is that us done no, for the week? No, that's it for another week. Brilliant. Great, going to have a bath. Um... <laughs> The, the, the email address is crasspodcast.gmail.com. What's the Twitter, George? At the Crass Podcast. And you can find me on Twitter at Bumbledoon. That's Bumble, D-O-O-N. And you can find me on Twitter at George Walsh, though. I don't know why you'd want to. Oh, so don't put yourself down. Well, I, I don't really care about Twitter particularly. Mm. You've imposed this rule on me that I've got to promote Twitter every week. We well, don't have to. Well, you don't have to. Well, you got something else for, you want to promote. I've done it for seven weeks now. LinkedIn? Why stop now? I don't know. No, no. Come on, I don't, I don't want my professional profile associated with this. Come on. <laughs> Fair enough. Right, well, that's it. See you, George. See ya. Bye. See you, listeners. ta -ra.